the Jets franchise quarterback will make his return against the Steelers this week as he looks to turn the ship back around and get the Jets to two and two. It's Jets, Steelers, and Pittsburgh. Can Gang Green take out Mitchell Trubisky and company? We'll preview the game and make our prediction. Speaking of the Jets and the Steelers, we'll talk to a Steelers Super Bowl champion that played for the Jets and is now the Jets pre and post game analyst on SNY. It's friend of the program, Willie Cologne. Lots to do on a Jets Steelers preview edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. What a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? You're a Jets fan. You guys have to earn this stuff. You're going to have to suffer through another few years. I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only for you guys would I do this. Only our gang's all here. We love it. Ooh, welcome back to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos. Catch up on all episodes of Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review, please, on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. We bring you new episodes throughout the Jets season every Monday and every Thursday. It's Hofster week. Roll pride on gangs all here. Wayne Corbett joined me and Tony Richardson in the house of Q after another ugly Jets home game. There are two for two and disgusting home football games. It was Wayne Corbett the other day. And today joining us will be another Hofster Gray. That's Willie Cologne, friend of the program, Jets pre and post game analyst on SNY. He'll join us in about 15 minutes or so because it took me a while to get this sign up behind me. My new Irish roommate, this kid is Bob the Builder. He's helped me, you know, put up signs, helped me put things up. I had to do this thing behind me and it is a struggle. I don't have a big house like you guys, you know, I don't have a family (laughs) house in New Jersey. I have a two bedroom apartment, a a living room. It's not a lot of space. So getting this up was a big ordeal. And I'm pretty proud that I made it happen and it doesn't look terrible. The Jets offense operated better than you putting that sign up, Jake. (laughs) I'll say that for our listeners to know how much of a struggle it was. That was that was brutal. That looked like a Jets drive, a nice long slog. Will the Jets offense with Zach Wilson be more of a struggle? We'll find out on Sunday. Zach is back. It looks like he's good to go. Salah says Wilson's knee is 100%. The team somehow has faith in the tackles to protect him. That's all he could say at this <laughs> point. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it looks like if all goes well in practice, he's been cleared by the doctors. He'll start in Pittsburgh. Zach's back. And I think Jets fans, Kaz, are happy to see a change at quarterback after Joe Flacco's four turnover day and uh, a lot of emails in your inbox. Yeah, no, I, I understand why Jets fans would be excited and hopeful. And it's nice to have the the guy that was taking number two overall back in the lineup. He's the quarterback of the future. Everyone around the Jets hopes and we'll get to see that future 
start here again. And but you know, I think it's a little naive if you think Zach Wilson's gonna come in there and this offense is suddenly gonna be magically a lot better. Like you mentioned, Jake, the tackles, they're down to their fourth and fifth tackles, uh, which is gonna be a struggle. They haven't really been able to get much going offensively. The run game, they're averaging a pretty good chunk, but it just hasn't gotten any kind of flow. They're throwing the ball way too much. They're leading the league in pass attempts, which is not what you want with Joe Flacco, a quarterback. It's not going to be what you want with Zach Wilson, a quarterback. They've got to figure out a way to get more balance and, they got to score some points, Jake. That might sound simple, but they're getting killed here because they're not scoring and they're falling behind games. They've trailed in 22 straight games. You have to go back to the Rams game in 2020 for a game that they led the entire way. And they've led for 22 seconds this season at the last 22 seconds in Cleveland. So if you're constantly playing from behind, it just totally screws up everything offensively and defensively. So they just have to find a way to get a lead in the first half and play from ahead for once. 22 seconds of glory in this 2022 Jets season. That'll be the SNY uh, Jets yearbook if the <laughs> season continues the way it did Sunday. And it's a change of scenery. It's your franchise quarterback. And he did show signs at the end of last year where he went those last five games, not turning the ball over. He didn't put up in crazy numbers. He didn't throw for a lot of touchdowns but he avoided mistakes, which was what plagued him. Nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions in his rookie year in 13 games. He missed four games last year. He's missed three so far this year. You hope you get him on the field and he stays on the field for the remainder of this season. And there's pieces of him you're excited about. You're excited of the Wilson and Wilson combination. Finally, Garrett Wilson, two straight games, gets hurt, comes back in, makes an impact. You're getting to see your second pick from a couple of years ago to your 10th pick this season. And I think that's, you know, youth exuberance. We want to see. And this is exactly what we were waiting for. And it's not exactly a soft landing cause, but when you go against Mitchell Trubisky, the one and two Steelers who have got nothing going offensively, who thankfully will be without TJ Watt. I will, again, not calling a soft landing, but this is an ideal return for Zach here. I don't know if I agree with that, Jake. I mean, the Steelers, I know they're one and two well-coached team always do a lot of exotic stuff on defense that really confuses young quarterbacks. This is not a simple defense to face. Do you know how many games the Jets have won in their history in the great city of Pittsburgh? I know they're one in 10 in Pittsburgh. So one game, one game, Jake, one game in the history of the organization. So not, not easy, but you know, I think, you know, you referenced the end of last year, Jake, and I think that's what the Jets want from Zach Wilson is be a game manager. And that's kind of become a dirty term in the NFL but not try to do too much and rely on the run. Just don't turn it over. Make a wow play every now and then. You know, that's what they need from him. They don't need him to be uh, a superstar on Sunday, but he can't turn the ball over. He can't kill them. So if they can do that, like they did in some of those games last year, obviously Tampa Bay was his best game, you know, until the uh, quarterback sneak heard around the world. But if he can do that and just limit, limit the mistakes, the Jets can live with that. And maybe we'll get one of those Corey Davis play, you know, Corey Davis under fire. You know, there's been rumors of Corey Davis on the trade block. Have you heard anything about that? I mentioned that because of the big play with Zach. That was his staple play last year. The deep bomb against the Titans and that magical win. Maybe there's some more magic like that. But, you know, on an aside note, have you heard anything about these Corey Davis trade rumors? No, he's on the trade block. There was uh, I heard in training camp there was one team that called about him and asked and the Jets weren't interested in trading him. I think that that's all it was. Uh, he's getting paid a lot of money, Jake. I'm not sure anyone's going to take that contract on. $13 million a year, I believe. So I'd be surprised if someone traded for Corey Davis. If it would be, it'd be somebody who knew him well, 
you know, had had coached him before. I think maybe that would be the only case, but probably I, I think it's unlikely he'll be traded. Let's put it that way. Elijah Moore has to do more and they haven't drawn up a lot for him. They need to draw plays for Elijah down the middle of the field. It feels like, you know, just from watching back a lot of these, it's just him straight down the field. He's on the sidelines. Why is Elijah Moore cause not going down the middle, you know, a slant route, get him out in the open. That's where he succeeds. And the jets haven't done enough of that. And Zach's going to have to find a way to make that happen. I think they've targeted him a pretty good amount. It, it just hasn't worked. And I think we asked Michael for after the Cleveland game, maybe it was, and said like he was the first read on a lot of those routes. He just wasn't open. I don't see him getting open a lot, Jake. I, I don't think it's really, they haven't drawn stuff up for him. I think he's just got to do a better job of getting open. It's an interesting dilemma right now, right? It's a good dilemma to have. The Jets have a few pieces here. And if you're going to go to Elijah Moore, you're going away from Garrett Wilson. Uh, do you need to get the tight ends more involved? Do you need, you know, are you thrown to the running backs? Like not everyone's going to get fed here. And so they, they've got to just figure out, I think they have to figure out their identity first, Jake, and then sort of sprinkle other people in and just what they want to be. Cause so far I haven't seen really an offensive identity from them. Listen, I know you have Tyler Conklin and he's your number one guy, but this CJ Uzama thing is a mystery. I mean, you paid this guy a lot of money to be like your one, a tight end. And he's been targeted, what, one time, two times all season? I don't get it. What, like, why not use a two tight end package and get both those guys involved, guys? I think we got to see how it goes this week. Uh, I'm not sure if Uzama was 100% last week coming back from the hamstring. He obviously missed the game in Cleveland. You know, week one, he was not a non-factor and he was healthy. But the last two weeks, maybe health played into it. So, Jake, if you're going to go two tight ends, who are you taking off the field? Because you got to take a receiver off the field now. So are you putting Garrett Wilson off the field? Are you taking Elijah Moore off the field? Who, like, it's easy to say, go two tight ends. But you have to figure out kind of what your identity is going to be and what you want to do and then try to work other things off of that. And I feel like the Jets haven't really done that yet. They have Zach Wilson coming back, Kaz, but they have George Fan coming out. And that's the other, you know, talking points. This week is George Fan went from day to day to now he's on the IR and he's out until at least October 30th against the Patriots. And the Jets have three tackles on IR. It has been a disaster with Becton, with Brown, with Fant. You know, Brown could come back next week against the Dolphins and they're going to need him. But this starting offensive line is Connor McDermott, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, Elijah Vera Tucker. And the rookie, Max Mitchell. I know Salah says he's got faith in these guys, but this could get dicey. and They're going to need some extra protection this week because they do not have a lot of blocking there up front. Yeah, they have to be thankful that TJ Watt is hurt, right? Or or this could be a really disaster of a game. Um, the Steelers have not been as good at pressuring the quarterback since Watt has been down. But yeah, it's uh, not ideal, as, as an old Jets coach used to say. Jake, this is... This is not good. And Connor McDermott's a guy who can get you through a game. You know, you could like get through the second half with him last week. Tough to roll him out there for 60, 70 plays. Like that, that's going to get dicey. And they're going to have to give him some help, I think. And if you give him up, you're not giving the rookie help. So you can deal with every team deals with injuries, Jake, right? thing that you can't deal with is a ton of injuries at one position. And that's what the Jets have been hit with a tackle. And it's just been one after another. You know, I don't think fans have been right all season. I think he's been struggling with that knee. So I think it was the right move to put him down for four weeks, let him let him get healthy and try to come back 100% rather than battling through it. But it's going to be tricky. I saw Dwayne Brown today. He looks like he's moving well. He was on the side field working. I do think Brown looks, looks pretty good, and they're probably hopeful he's going to be back next week. I had to do the pronunciation of the Bengals cornerback last week that I already forgot. Abouzier? Abouzier? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you do the pronunciation of Cedric Ogbuhi? Cedric. <laughs> the entertainer. Said, said, even better. Big said. 
Let's go, let's go on big Cedric the lineman. How about that? Yeah, I mean, Agbuhi. Maybe, maybe yeah. we can get Josh or Andrew to uh, figure out the pronunciation of, of that name. But, you know, I guess he's going to be a backup. But if anything goes wrong, he's thrown right into the fire, Kaz. Two days of practice. Hey, you're the starting tackle. And with the way it's going, there's probably a decent chance. And let me knock on wood and hope it doesn't happen. There's a decent chance he might be in this football game. And Zach's going to scramble. And if his knee's 100%, we're going to have to see. You know, I love a rushing quarterback. And they're going up against one who I used to clamor for the Jets to be the backup in Mitchell Trubisky last season. Oh, I forgot that, Jake. I forgot that. Too. That That's one of your worst takes ever. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some bad ones. <laughs> yeah. And he's barely run this year, but Zach's going to have to run around if, you know, yeah. you get Cedric in there. Well, I think Mike LaFleur is going to have to do too, Jake, is move the pocket. And that's something you can do with Zach that you couldn't do with Flacco, right? So you can't have him just taking a straight drop back and let them tee off. If they, if he can move the pocket around a little bit and do some rollouts and get them on, uh, get them out in space a little bit, that will help too. That will help slow down the pass rush. So it's a big week for Michael LaFleur in my eyes, Jake, he's got to, he's got to come up with a game plan here to figure out how to hide the tooth, the tackle situation and, and ease Zach back into this thing. Josh, the intern puts in Og Behe to Cedric. So yeah, he's got to roll out and I want to see him run. And listen, the Jets should put as many Cougars in the front row of the end zone on both sides of the field as possible. And we might see Zach have uh, success getting to the end zone. That's the storyline we heard all summer guys. Now we got to see him on the field and see if he had, he had success off the field, according to some, and now he's hoping to have success on the field. I, you look tired of that storyline. I, I think you were tired of that over the summer. Yes. I'm not going down that road, Jake. <laughs> you know, Willie Cologne's going to join us in a few minutes, but backup offensive lineman Quincy Williams now, high ankle sprain. Seems because they avoided the worst with him. When he gets, yeah. you know, carted off the field, we thought it could be a season ending injury, but it looks like we might see him at least back at some point this season. Yeah, two things, Jake. I thought when he was carted, like they called the cart really quick. And usually when they're that quick to call out a cart, it's, it's, you know, that's it. He's done. So I was kind of surprised that he was okay after that, seeing how, and they put the air cast on quickly. Second thing, Jake, they haven't put him on IR yet. So that tells you that they're thinking maybe he won't be out for four weeks. You know, they always could do it on Saturday. They could wait till the end of the week. But so far, we're recording this Wednesday, nothing's happened. That tells you they're, they're optimistic about him returning. But he, he's been playing well, I thought, Jake. He's been very he's active. He's been one of the bright spots. I feel yeah, like so, a linebacker's on the front seven. Yeah, so I think they're going to miss him. But, you know, Quan Alexander has also played well, and I think he'll just get more time now at that spot. And then they'll have Marcel Harris coming in as the third linebacker. We'll see if they can survive the, the Quincy injury on defense. Well, the Jets are one in 10 against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, but the Jets did beat them the last time they played. It's the Jets and the Steelers. Cue the music. Here we go. The Jets coming in one and two. The Steelers coming in one and two. The Steelers, according to most sports books, are three point favorites right now. The overrunner is 41 and a half. It's 1 p.m. It's CBS. It's I don't know what to call them. The B crew, Greg Cumble and Adam Archuleta. C crew. I mean, they got Ian and Charles Davis last Ryan week. Charles, yeah. See, uh, maybe? I don't know. Well, Nance probably and a step above Nance, Spiro Romo. and Felix. Nance and Romo are the acre, right? I guess, yeah. In yeah. my mind, Ian and Charles are, are the best. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll we're going to compare. I hate to look at people's paychecks, but That's Nance true. and Romo are the acre. They're in I a different I think the Ian would, Ian would agree with us. They're in a different strat. I mean, Romo gets paid, you know, a million dollars for every time he wipes his ass. It's incredible. TJ Watt is out, and thank God, Cause against these backup offensive tackles and this offensive line. And we'll talk with Willie Clone that doesn't have a lot of consistency. They don't have a lot of time together. TJ Watts out. 
Uh, Mitchell Trubisky has not been good, guys. Two touchdowns, a pick, sack five times. And what I love about him is his ability to run. He's only run six attempts for 23 yards in touchdown this year. It's pretty incredible. By the way, that rushing touchdown was part of a $1,300 parlay win I had last Thursday. So thanks for that uh, one-yard rushing touchdown, Mitchell Trubisky. I I owe him a steak dinner as well. He was one for nine on third downs against the Browns. Only got hit twice last week. One sack. So a lot of the struggles in that game by the Steelers are on him. Maybe we see Kenny Pickett in the second half if Trubisky struggles. Jet Steelers, give me your pick, guys. Wouldn't it be classic, Jake, if Kenny Pickett came off the bench and killed the Jets in the second half, right? That'd be that'd be, be a, a classic storyline. Uh, I think this is going to be ugly, Jake. Uh, I know the Steelers haven't played well, but I just don't like the Jets going into this game. All the, the injuries on the line, Zach Wilson playing his first game. I mean, think about it, Jake. You're, we all know your affinity for the Mets, right? And Jacob deGrom gets injured in spring training and he comes back his first start isn't against the atlanta braves right his first start is probably against some team in in st lucie and then his second start is probably a double a and his third starts a triple a takes some time before you're ready to play in the major leagues the nfl doesn't have rehab starts but i think zach could use a couple because he, you know, he barely had training camp. He had one preseason game, and now he's going to be thrown in there against Pittsburgh. And like I said before, they, they do a lot of different things on defense that confuse young quarterbacks. I think he's going to struggle. I think there'll be a defensive touchdown for the Steelers. And I think the Steelers win this game 27-3. to Oh, my God. That is just um, – that's a dagger to my heart. Guys, 27 to 3. Well, I'll bring some positivity. Why I've picked the Jets every week so far, I don't know. I don't know what. Are you going to pick them again? I don't know what's been in my vodka sodas lately. I, I just can't explain it. But I'm going to take the Jets again. I think they're going to establish the run game. Hall and Carter. Hall's been great as a receiver. Let's see them run the ball, set up the play action. Let Zach move on his feet. You know, Trubisky has sucked. The Steelers have sucked. They haven't been good. This is a good matchup for them. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, who told me when I was in L.A. in July, he thinks he's one of the best receivers in the league. He has not been. He also has had a terrible quarterback. I think the fact that T.J. Watt is out helps this beleaguered Jets offensive line. I don't think we're going to see four sacks and nine QB hits like we did last week. I think this is a good matchup for Zach. I think he's 100%, and I'm taking the Jets 20 to 17, and it's not going to be pretty offensively, but I'm taking Gang Green to win and improve to two and two. Now, weeks after this, I'll finally won't take the Jets because they're not being the Dolphins the way the Dolphins are playing right. <laughs> but for yeah, one final I'll, week, I'll take the Jets, Cops. So, in the press box last week, Jake, before the game was talking to a Bengals reporter, Jeff Hobson, who's covered the Bengals for a long time. I was sitting next to you, I believe, when you yeah. were talking about and Jeff said, you know, oh, you know, this, the Bengals are bad. They're, they're, they're struggling. I don't know. They're, 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 this is, you know, I said, I said, Jeff, this is the get right game. The get right game always comes against the Jets for these teams. So I think the Bengals got right last week. I have a feeling the Steelers will get right this week. All right. Well, a guy who played for both the Steelers and Jets, fittingly enough, he's got Steeler jerseys in the background today, unfortunately. But I know he's rooting for the Jets, and that's Willie Cologne, and he'll join us next on Gangs All Here. Robert Salas, handsome bald head. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All righty, joining us now on Gangs All Here is a friend of the program. You can catch him on SNY on the pre and post game shows with my guy Steve Gelbs and Bart Scott. He played for the Steelers, who the Jets will face from 2006 to 2012. He won a Super Bowl there. He ended his career from 2013 to 2015 with the Jets. He is, of course, out of Hofstra University. It's Hofstra Week here in Gangzell here, class of 2006. And also, you can catch him on The Morning Men on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Willie Colon. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. All right. I want to start with Mad Dog because I did see a debate and it was similar to something that happened to me in the past week. And Babchek was afraid of mice. And I have never related more with Babchek in my life. He'll host a show shirtless. I won't do that. I don't want to scare the listeners like that. Last week, I'm in a doorman nice building in the eighth floor of the building. Had the first mouse in two years pop up. I was mid pissed. So I'm standing up peeing. And I look in the corner of my eye, I see something move. I'm like, oh, it's probably just like a, a dust particle or something. And then a mouse pops up. I have to stop mid piss and I start running. I was just like Babchick and scared. Eventually, we put enough traps. It gets in the in the uh, in the bathtub. We end up killing it. It squeals. It gets on one of the pads. Days later, it's in my room. Graph again. I'm shirtless in my bed and it's rolling around in my room and I'm scared for my life. I run out of my room. We get all the stickies. We throw it. It gets above my TV. It's on the wire, the TV on top of my dresser. How the hell did it get there? I don't know, Willie. And then it's scrambling around. It ends up under a lamp. And I hate to say it. The Pete is going to hate me. I'm a mouse murderer. I stomped it with, with the lamp and killed the mouse and heard it squeal to death. But two mice in a week. Scary experience. Yeah, they don't scare me. I mean, you're I mean, <laughs> 15 times bigger than the damn thing. You just scoop it up and throw it somewhere. It's not scoop it up. I think people make way too much, uh, you know, it's okay for my wife to be scared, but not a grown ass man who's paying his own bills and supporting himself should never be scared of a little mouse. hundred percent agree, Willie. hundred percent. He went up against 300 pound men. I've never gone up against a 300 pound man. I don't know, man. It was, uh, it was scary. It's just cause you don't want that thing to get in your bed. It, it dumped all over like our, our cleaning supplies and bags in the kitchen. We had to throw stuff out. I don't want mouse poop on my sweatpants. No, you're right. They definitely can become a menace. And if, if the things start, you know, populating, it, it can be it can be a mess for your house. So I, I get that. But uh, yeah, just just get it out your house. Just, just sweep it somewhere, throw it somewhere, whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, it's it's dead under my lamp and I had to get rid of it quick so it didn't stink up my room. Anyways, the Jets take on the Steelers this week. How do I transition from that? Right. A lot of backup offensive linemen here, Willie. You were a guy who played on the offensive line. How difficult is it going to be for these uh, backup Jets O-linemen to fill in? Well, well, to be honest, it's, it's, it's not about it being difficult. It's, it's about how prepared they can be because Pittsburgh, they're going to come after them. There's, there's no lie about it. They, they watch they watch what happened last week with uh, Flacco. They understood the type of pressure that the Bengals were able to to cause. I didn't. I honestly didn't expect that line to play that bad. I didn't. I, I thought they were going to play a lot better. I thought George Fant was going to be a lot better. Um, I know Trey Henderson. He's he's a monster ball player. Um, he can definitely get out the quarterback. But I expected uh, Fant to play better, even though Valley he got hurt. And I also, I also think he may have gotten hurt earlier 
prior to him getting pushed out the game, kind of leaving the game. Um, and I thought he tried to battle through some things. He just didn't look good. Um, he was just slow out of stance. And it, it just, you know, Trey Henderson, you got to get off. You got to get off the ball. Um, and the Jets were at home. So it, it seemed like they were just like a tick slower than the Bengals for whatever reason. And I know McDormand was the backup and he he just looked like fish out of water. So it was, it was a rough day for the O-line. But overall, for backups to play this game, it's about preparation, man, because they the, the Steelers are going to come from all different angles. That's that's just how they cause disruption. You know, you you may see one thing and that'd be coming from another side. They disguise really well. I know in Pittsburgh, they practice patience. They practice discipline as far as uh, disguise. Um, so you got to stay true to your rules and you got to stay true to what you need to do to have success against them. But however, if I was to draw it up, man, you if you're the New York Jets, you have to screen the you have to screen this Pittsburgh team to death because if, if you try to put it, play them in a the box, they're going to beat you up. You try to you know air it out, they're going to beat you up. You got to screen them. You got to you got to spread them out, and you got to got to keep them off their tempo and keep them out of rhythm. That's one way you get after get after. Them. Yeah, Willie, I was going to ask you with the issues at tackle, and obviously Zach coming back hasn't played in six weeks. He's going to be rusty. How much do you put this on Michael Floor to kind of like what you're saying with the screens or just move the pocket, just come up with some game plan stuff that can negate what Pittsburgh does? Well, you know, it's very much like what we saw out of Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G didn't look great, but that was Jimmy G's first game. It's kind of like his first preseason game. So you kind of yeah. got to. They expect the same thing for Zach. Me and Bart was on on a post game saying, like, do you really want this game to be his game to kind of get back, right? Do you, you if you if you was to pick a soft landing, do you want this to be the one? And as I looked at the schedule, you know, they they have no <laughs> soft landing. <laughs> yeah, right. You got Pittsburgh, you got Miami, then you got Green Bay, then you got Denver. So, which all have good defenses. So, if you had, there's no soft landing for this guy. And I feel bad because I think Zach needs a soft landing. Why? Because he's coming off a knee injury. You don't want your young quarterback sitting in that pocket feeling like, you know, he has to make impromptu moves to get out of situations or throw the ball off platform with a knee he's not 100% sure about. It's good to be 100% sure about a knee when you're off working off on the sideline or you're doing drills with cones or you're just kind of doing you're doing conditioning. It's different when you got a guy tugging on you, pulling on you, you got to escape that, plant your foot and get out of the pocket or, or redirect. That's that's live bullets. They, there's no way to simulate that. So that's why me and Bart was on the telecast calling for a soft landing because, you know, Pittsburgh Valley, they don't have T.J. Watt, but they still have Cameron Haywood. Right. And they and they still have Alex Highsmith and they still got some guys who can get after the pass rusher. But I think the Jets right now, they just need they need to establish the run game. I know it's getting that's going to take some time, but they got to figure out some ways. How can they combat that offense from the Steelers? Because I think, listen, Mitchell Trubisky isn't great, but he's going to be at home. The Steelers going to be at home. They're going to be fired up. They're going to play behind that crowd. You know, before I jumped on, I was listening to you boys. Pittsburgh is a different team at home. They're going to they, they play behind that crowd. So it's going to be loud. And the Pittsburgh is going to be angry because they shouldn't have lost to you know, Cleveland, and they did. Um, and they're looking at the Jets like if the Jets beat the Cleveland Browns. How the hell do we lose to the Cleveland Browns? So that they're dealing, they're dealing with all those emotions. But to your point with Mike Lafleur, he cannot become stagnant. My coach used to always say, "Shoot them if you got them. Whatever you got, use it. Like don't don't hold anything back. Get this team." Um, on the right track. And if you can squeak one out of Pittsburgh, you're in decent shape. Transitive property states that the Jets beat the Browns, the Browns beat the Steelers. That means the Jets will beat the Steelers. Is I think that's how it works. Willie, do you think the Jets, you know, Kyle said 27-3, which is, you know, almost offensive. But uh, do you think the Jets beat them on Sunday or no? I think it's going to be a lot tighter than Kyle's uh, given. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, blow out the water type game. I think it's going to be a lot tighter. It's, it's only, 
it, it only gets ugly if, if Zach is just like, you know, he just his, his light hasn't turned on yet. But at the same time, you know, this is a situation where he can get out there and just feel like he can turn to a Super Saiyan, right? And he can just he can just light it up and, and they can't handle him mobility wise. But however, I got I got I got the Steelers winning at home, man. Uh, but I think it's a tight one. I don't think it's okay. I, I think it's it, it's gonna be tighter tighter than a lot of people think. Who do you root for in this game? Because you're the you're the post game and pregame analyst, so. For the sake of your job, I think you'd root for the Jets, but you did play more years with the Steelers and you didn't win a Super Bowl with the Steelers. I have I've spilt blood for both teams. I've broken enough broken and torn enough things for both teams. So <laughs> um it's like asking me how which you know, I have two kids, which one I love the most. I love it. Um I'll be neutral this game. One thing that drives me crazy. And I'm curious as an offensive lineman, I'm going to guess this bothers you too. Whenever you look at the stat sheet after the game and the Jets have had a few games like this this year, where all of a sudden it's like they throw 52 passes and they only ran 20 times or whatever. The coaches always says, well, we were trailing. We were trailing as we're passing. I fully understand if you're down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you got to throw the ball. But I feel like you're down two touchdowns in the second quarter. Why all of a sudden is it forget the run game? We're going to throw all over the place. Like, I feel like they, they just never stay committed to the run long enough. And the Jets have run the ball pretty well when they've done it. They just haven't done it enough. Do, do you agree with that? And just kind of from as a player perspective, did that ever bother you when you felt like you guys got away from the run quickly? Oh, I mean, that's that's a, every office alignment is going to have that complaint. <laughs> that's just what we complain about. But no, I do agree with you, Cos. I don't think they have enough confidence in their run game. I think what it comes down to is once they pop for three or four yards and it looks like that's going to be kind of all they can get out of certain plays, they're like, all right, well, we got to pass it. And then the defense, you know, may have a full bar and, then, you know, they're down two touchdowns. A lot of times running to the game, running, committing to the run game isn't about running the ball 30 or 40 times. The commitment to the run game is figure out three or four plays that that are hitting and run those plays. And when you're able to get those plays going, then you start leaning on that and then you try to run packages off that. And then you want to stay consistent in the run game. So by the fourth quarter, now you're just hitting. Now you're coming downhill. Now you're doing things where the defense is tired or they just, you know, they don't just know where you're coming from. I just think, I also think we, we sometimes we become predictive. We become predictable out there. And that's what it's looked like the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if it's a testament to some guys who are still young out there, still trying to figure themselves out, or they're just trying to save themselves. I don't know what it is, but I'm with you. I think commitment to the run game, just, they need to find out their bread and butters. and ride. Because when I was with Pittsburgh, we probably had, I mean, we had an array of, I mean, we were a run team. Obviously, we we, we grew out of that uh, the, once Antonio Brown, those guys came along. But but for the most part, man, we had about four or five plays that were just like, hell could be at our face mask. We're going to run this play. We're going to get it. I don't think the Steelers have that. So they got to figure out what that is for them and, and just and this lean on it. So because once you do that too, cause you start perfecting it. The tension of detail gets heightened. And then guys start understanding how to run those plays against any any defense at a at a high level. Um, because we had two or three plays, like we had a play called 22-23 double, which is a gap scheme. It's a, it's a zone, it's a gap scheme that looks like zone scheme. And it was just downhill, double teams across the board, and we would just run the hell out of it. And then we would have on a backside called a now with Antonio Brown, which is you know, Ben would fake it, boom, throw the ball right away to A B because the box was so tight and we would get A B through there, boom, and we hit an 88 out the gate. And sometimes we have power front, you know, 36 power, 37 power, which is pretty much pulling the guard coming around and we, we so that we had we had a couple stable plays that we just leaned on and as we got better and we played against enough defenses we just knew what to do no matter what we were looking at so that's what the jets have to get to they have to get to that point no matter what's in front of them, we got these five plays we know what our guys can do we know what they're capable of capable of let's just run it and lean on it and they just haven't got there and it's only week three so it takes a little bit but at the same time this is why 
it frustrates me when guys aren't in the building early and, you know, they're, they're in the building too late. You understand when I, when we used to report, and I know you're old enough to remember this cause, you know, guys didn't get in the build. Guys were re- reported back to the building. to like b- before uh, St. Patrick's Day. Guys were on the field. Guys were actually working out, training and doing the little minute mechanical things. So by spring, you kind of knew what to do. And then by summer, when plays were being called, you just you were just running it. You were just sharpening it. So the fact that guys are starting to work out later and they're not really on the field as long, it's on the field. It's the products on the field. It's yeah. not, it doesn't uh, look good. It's choppy. It's clunky. I mean, really, the, even in training camp, the practices now are just... Yeah, I mean, it Salah. I'm like, it's Club Med. I'm like, it's this. This is not football, and uh, you see it. it. It's this is like almost like the preseason. They're they're working out stuff, and like I agree with you 100. And player safety is huge and important, but I, I do think there's a way to be, be safe about it and still have guys come to work a little earlier than they're coming to work. <laughs> they don't have to put pads on during that time. Yeah, you can go delay the pads. You know. Cause we used to have practice. We, we would have to report when I was in Pittsburgh, man, we were on the field by I think seven 30 on the field, ready to go off the field by like 11. You know, we would have lunch, whatever back on the field by like one 45 yeah. from two, two to four done. Then go eat dinner. And then we will walk back out from dinner and our gray shorts and gray tops and flip-flops and just go through plays. Yeah. Yep. And that was like, that was training camp. It's crazy. I mean, now Flacco said this and he's right. These guys now didn't even have two days in high school, right? Cause they don't do it in high school anymore. So it's like, it's not even like they've never experienced the NFL. They've never experienced it in their life at this right. point. So it's crazy. Crazy. But as much as like, and we complained about it somewhat too, but then when you're out there kicking ass and you're just, you're rolling and, and things are working for you without you thinking it all goes from the work you put in four or five months ago. You know what I mean? So when I see, some of the, like, I watched the double team between Fant and uh, uh, Lakeland Thomason, and it was a play that could have hit if, if if Fant would just hung a little, because the linebacker was sitting tight on Fant, so he panicked. He just banged the hip of the uh, tackle and got up right away. But that type of play, that type of that type of double team, if Fant just washes that deep tackle and hangs there and allow that linebacker to commit and he just attacks that uh, linebacker, that ball is 88, it's gone. But those are the mechanical details that you just learn through time and like, hey, don't 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 rush the double teams. Just keep, you know, it may not, you may seem like you're not going anywhere, but you're leaving Lakeland one on one. He's on one foot. But if you just hang there, let him get his gathering, and then you shoot up to the linebacker, that hole's going to expand real quick. Our, our running backs aren't big guys; they're shifty dudes. So all they need is this much, and they can go. And Brees Hall did a, he had a couple two big runs out there. He did really well on. But it's just certain type of reads, hat placement that needs to happen that happened during before you get to training camp. But when you get to training camp, you're really digging on it. And by get to by the time you get to the season, boom, you, it just it's just working for you. You see it, you know it, you feel it. So that you're starting to see the residuals of not having enough time on the field right now. I had more two days in the Trumbull high school, golden Eagle marching band in high school. I mean, we, we had some intense practices, those clarinets and those feet were moving back in uh, 2007 when I was out there, my God, I remember I, I vomited one time because it was such an intense marching band workout. So maybe we need to teach him something with maybe. these uh, marching band days. Jake, got... Jake's talking about being afraid of mice and how hard marching band was. This, <laughs> right. is, some, this is some podcast today, Jake. He's a man's man Ooh. right here. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably why I'm single, I guess. I might explain it. Uh, I, I can't get off my mind as soon as you said Antonio Brown. That what's what? Can you do the dance, Willie? I, no. You know, the da- He's doing everything right now. <laughs> That's it. You're nailing it. 
I'll show you're doing it. That's it. Nobody can do it better than you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I don't want Mike Tomlin doing that again. That was the video that blew up of them yeah. doing the dance. I don't want the AB. I was at the W. I don't know if he, you know, hopefully he's not doing it this week. Or well, maybe he is. Who knows? We'll see. Inject Coach Sala doing one of these in the locker room. Someone get that on IG Live. Michael Carter. You know, so I don't think, I don't think Salah's going to be doing that. Kaz, <laughs> do you know anything about this uh, AB dance I'm talking about? Or I no? don't know anything about it. No, yeah. I'm not it's, familiar with it. I'll leave it to Gen Z and uh, millennials yeah. to talk about it. Well, Willie, uh, you know, it's funny because the post game, you know, blew up of you guys after the Browns game. What is that like from the jubilation? By the way, how much hair product does Connor Rogers use? I mean, that that hair is just ridiculous. As, as a bald man, I, I'm a little bit jealous, but I'm also like worried for how much he puts into uh, the hair product. But going from that to last Last week, like you go jubilation, the comeback to like nothing. It's got to be two different worlds on these postgame shows. Well, it was disheartening because if you talk about the start going into the season, you're saying, all right, they're playing the AFC North. If they can pull one out of this, great. They can pull two out of this. Now, you know, that's even better. If they can go three now, like, man, we're really cooking. Last Sunday was a gimme game in my eyes. You got Joe Burrow, who was sacked in his first week seven times. And then I think the last the last game prior to the Jets um, was like six times or whatever. So. And we're talking about the trouble that this offensive line was uh, having for him. And what's crazy, the Jets still had a shot to win that game. What's frustrating is you understand that Joe Burrow, if they would have just kept him in a pocket, contained him, if those ends between Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Clemens, if if these guys would have just kept him in a pocket, they would have had more socks, probably more turnovers than what they had. You At times, they got greedy on their one-on-one pass rush, and they kept trying to shoot the inside. And then when they couldn't get there, they were stuck. And so Burrow, every time he stepped up in a pocket, he got stuck. And so he's looking left and right, and it's wide open. So he was escaping from the outside. When you know, when you got a quarterback like him, man, you you collapse that pocket and you just close in on him, boom, he's like that mouse you're going to talk about. He's originally going to have nowhere to go, and you got to stomp him out. And from an offensive line standpoint, it was frustrating because I felt like this should have been the game where they got their groove. Now, now DJ Reader is a big-time tackle. He's a, good, he's a damn good ball player. But I felt like we was up for the fight. Yeah, I definitely did. And I knew Trey, who Trey Henderson was. I thought, like I said, I thought Fant was going to play a lot better because I've seen him play against a lot better competition to have better games. And so I was frustrated with that. But then I also I thought Flacco seemed like he was pressing a little bit early. Um, and I thought he was just he was just trying to, you know, play a little bit of, as we like to say, around New York hero ball. I think he was trying to make some plays, just kind of carry the team and give them a lift, and it didn't happen. So I was frustrated because that was an opportunity for the New York Jets to go to be at 500 going into Pittsburgh, which I thought was like, you can't, that that's okay. We're, and that's, you know, as for Jets fans, you're like, right. we're all right. We're, we're fighting. You know, we our backs are against ropes, but we're banging the body. So I, I felt like that was a missed opportunity for us. You don't you don't come up for an emotional win against Cleveland and do that at home against Cincinnati. I felt like that was it felt like a step backwards. So when we when we did the post game, me and Bart was like, man, you don't lose that game. You know what I mean? Because like we just talked about earlier, it doesn't get easier, right? Like it doesn't get easier for you. So it's like yeah. you, you needed that game to win and you need to win at home and you needed to keep that emotional high that team was, was on after beating Cleveland. So we were frustrated. I felt that the whole Connor and me, Bart, Gelbs, we all felt it because we we feel like that was a game they should have had and they should have won. All right, Willie, I don't have any more Jets questions for you, but I see the shirt. I think that's a Yankee shirt, right? And I remember remember the truck. Jake, have you ever seen Willie's truck? Uh, No. He Willie has a 
Yankees truck. That's something to see. Used to bring, I remember in Cortland, used to be driving around Cortland. Yeah. So Willie's a big, big, big Yankees fan. Uh, how do you feel about October, Willie, and, and the Bronx Bombers? I got confidence. I got a lot of confidence in a ball club, man. For me, it's, you know, we were talking about this on my morning show this morning. I wish they would throw Judge a meatball already so we can stop <laughs> like enough already. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? They threw two to Albert, right? He banged them out the park and we're done with it, right? So now you got everybody showing up to the ballpark, got everybody watching Judge. He's not batting bad, you know? He's just not hitting. Yeah, great at-bats. He's yeah. having great at-bats. So they're not throwing to him. But for me, I think the team seems like, now that they clinched yesterday, there's a sigh of relief. They got that They got that off their back. I expect them to play well, man. And I, I happy, I'm happy the Red Sox suck. That's always good. I got a lot of family <laughs> from Boston, so they – we go back and forth, but I, got, I think the boys are going to be good, man. I think they're going to be good. I'm just ready for the chase to be over so we can, you know, get on with baseball. You know what it is over here? It's about the orange and blue. Let's go, Mets. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Mets. Oh, it's God. all about the Mets here. We'll see you in the World Series in November, worse. Will. I guess the dance gets worse the more you do it. I <laughs> put, that, it put that ish on, Cause is the song, if oh, we want to do that. Um, so I'm going to practice. I was, I was, I need to watch some tutorial videos. Uh, it was, it's like oh, the Dougie back. <laughs> it's all over TikTok, so I'll find it. He's on The Morning Men on Sirius XM Channel 82 with Babcheck, with Evan. He's SMY Jets pre- and post-game analyst. He is class of Hofstra, former Jet offensive lineman. Follow him on Twitter at WillCologne66 and WillieCologne66 on Instagram. Willie, appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, it's a neutral game. I was going to say, let's go Jets, but uh, let's have fun. For me, it should be neutral for you. Let's go Jets. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Thanks, Willie. All right, now. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Willie Colon, always one of my favorite guests. Great job from him. Hofstra alums, we're just great people. That says adios. To episode 110 of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern, Josh Crawford, for helping me in producing the show. You can always catch up on Gangs All Here by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. And follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Hit me up there. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if you have any questions for the show. And, of course, at Brian Kaz as well. We appreciate your support. Hard Sunday, I will be at Ocean in uh, Atlantic City. Looking forward to that. A big blackjack guy. So always double down on 11. Always double down on 10. Not always, depending on the on the dealer's hand. But, you know, you got the Mets going for the division. You got Zach Wilson's debut. The Yankees just clinched, but Judge is still going for it. The Giants looking to go 3-1 and one against the Bears. It is a monster week in New York sports as we get ready for what should be an electric October and a monster week and month for us. We are busy people here at the New York Post. It is going to be a monster Sunday indeed, especially with both Jets and Giants in action. And like you said, Mets and Yankees wrapping up their season. But I want to know your strategy because you are a big blackjack guy. Are you a splitting eights or are you just, you know, sit on the 16 there? Well, it depends what the deal. If the dealer has like a six, I'll probably split the eights. But if a dealer's got a 10, the issue is me on 16. I'm, I get very scared and I'll regret it because then they'll get a five and I'll be like, you mother effer. Like, so six. 16 is the most dangerous number 
in blackjack. So I like to split my eights. I do because I'm I'm always hoping for a picture or a nice ten to pop up. And at that point, then I don't feel so bad. Well, I got a wedding Saturday during Mets Braves. We'll see if Hurricane allows it. I'll be playing Timmy trumpet on the dance floor most likely. And you know, let's hope the Mets take care of business. The Jets take care of business. You know, Rangers are around the corner. You know, hockey, NBA, a lot is going on here in the New York sports scene. And hopefully, I come back in one piece with a couple dollars in my pocket. Hopefully, I have enough money to get a bus ride home. That's going to be the question. Uh, let's not hope I go bankrupt in Atlantic City because, you know, some things go to die there. So let's hope I come back alive for a post-game show. Jets, Steelers, enjoy the game, everyone. For Brian Costello, Andrew Hart, Josh Crawford, I am Jake Brown. We'll be back first thing, new episode after Jets, Steelers. will drop 5 a.m. Monday and every Monday. Thanks for listening. The gang's all here. Enjoy Jets, Steelers. Talk to you Monday. How do you do this week after week? And I don't mean this pod. Well, I do mean this podcast. (laughs)